Hello, this is Dr. Ed Hill, host of This Week in the Word, where we grow in our knowledge of the Word of God and our walk with Christ. We're so glad you joined us today. In our last episode, we started a new series called Future Trends. We're looking at what the Bible has to say about the future, future Bible prophecy. So let's get moving here pretty quickly. What I've tried to do in this episode is give you, let's say that that uh, you have just come to Christ or you have been around church things your whole life, but you've forgotten a lot of it, or maybe you went to a church that never taught you about these things. Maybe you're like many Christians and you haven't actually read the Bible for yourself. Well, what I'm doing in this episode is more like we're sitting down at your kitchen table and I'm running you through a general overview of future trends in Bible prophecy. And we're going to plug this in a little bit toward the end of this episode and we're going to break a lot of this down as we go forward over the next few weeks. But I want to give you today the the big picture. Here's the big picture that you have to understand so that as we get into the details of future trends, Bible prophecy, it will just make so much more sense to you. All right, number one, here's the big picture. Only God is God. Satan is a created being created by God who rebelled against God, and he wants to be worshiped as God. But of course, only God can be God. That's number one thing to know. Number two, human history in the future will witness God's total victory over Satan enforced completely. There will be no more rebellion from Satan or anyone who follows him. Now, you could sum up all of human history as recorded in the Bible and in uh, secular history, 10,000 years of recorded human history And that basically sums it up. So people have, whether they know it or not, they're they're born on Satan's side, by the way, but they choose by faith to come to God through the Lord Jesus Christ, and they join God's side. But all through human history, people have been on one side or the other. All governments of the world have operated, even if they don't know it, in advancing the purposes of one side or the other, primarily. So as we go through human history, we're going to come to a point in time in the future. I don't know if it'll be today, next week, 10 years from now, 100 years from now. I don't know when it'll be. But I know that there's a day coming that the Lord Jesus Christ himself talked about in which an event will occur that is simply going to be astonishing to the world. And it's called the rapture of the church. Rapture is from a Latin word, and it just means to to carry away. Christ will come again as he promised, and he will take his church with him back to heaven. 
That is called the rapture of the church. And some of you right now are saying, yeah, yeah, I kind of remember something about that. Or I saw a movie once about that. Well, this is a very significant doctrine in the New Testament. But I want you to know something today, my friends, as you listen to this. This is not just a doctrine which, which is, uh, is a mystery in the, in the New Testament that's revealed. It's, it's unveiled so we can read about it and understand it. But it's not only occurring in the future as recorded in the New Testament, but it, there are actually two recorded events of the rapture in past history recorded human history. One of those was, was, was in the Old Testament when there was a, a person who loved the Lord so much, his name was Enoch, he loved the Lord so much that we're told in Genesis that the Lord, one day he, he, um, he was a friend of God and he walked with God and he was not for God took him. And it doesn't mean that he died because he's never listed as having died like you see all over the book of Genesis. He was raptured right into heaven. And you could say, if you would want to, that he's sort of a symbol, a picture of what's going to happen in the future for the church. So this has happened before. Another example of that is the prophet Elijah. Elijah was a prophet of God, and the day came when the chariot of God came and it took him up in a whirlwind into heaven, and it took him living, alive, right into heaven to be with the Lord forever. And there were witnesses to this event. They never found his body, though they searched for it high and low. So those are two recorded events in the past, in the Bible, of the rapture occurring already. So it's not an impossible event. It's already actually happened twice. Well, Pastor Ed, did Jesus ever talk about this rapture that you're talking about? I believe he did. I believe if you look in the Gospel of John, and the Gospel of John is the only gospel of the four that records this event. But in John chapter 4, excuse me, John chapter 14, John 14, in verses 1 through 3, Christ is in the upper room with his disciples just before he's betrayed. So this is the night of his betrayal, but he made sure that he told them this thing which no other gospel writer revealed, and he, and he never taught about this particular event until now in his earthly ministry. John 14, 1. Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. Wow. So I believe that this is, in the New Testament, the first time this is mentioned, and it's mentioned by Christ himself. 
here in the New Testament. Now, um, we always want to be biblical in what we're, what we're studying here in the Bible. So I want you to turn to 1 Thessalonians, and I'm actually typing this into my, uh, I use Bible Gateway, by the way, online, which is a wonderful place to read uh, all the various translations of the Bible. But it's very handy in doing this broadcast because I can go from one to the other very quickly. All right, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Paul the Apostle writes about this same event, but he gives even more detail. So in 1 Thessalonians 4, uh, verses 13 through 18, we read these words. So this is where Christ has given the Apostle Paul even more insight into this event than Christ did in the upper room that evening. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep. And that's, he's talking about believers who've already died before the Lord returns. That ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent or, or go before them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. And you can also read, and we'll, we'll look at this as well. <coughs> Excuse me. We also can read in uh, 1 Corinthians 1 Corinthians, I've typed in 1 Peter there. 1 Corinthians, I'm sorry, this is a little slow here. 1 Corinthians 15, and at the end of 1 Corinthians 15 is a passage that many of you will recognize because you've often heard it at funerals, but it's about the same event, the rapture of the church. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 51. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. Wow. Wow. The same event is talked about by the Apostle Paul. So those are the texts that we want to see here as we talk about the rapture of the church. So let's continue with the overview that I'm giving you here. So at some point 
In the future, I believe it may be sooner than many people think, there is an event coming called the rapture of the church where Christ returns not to the earth, which will happen in the second coming, but he returns in the air. Scripture is very specific about that. Catches away those who are true believers in Christ. We go to the wedding feast of the Lamb in heaven where we will be with Christ forever. There will never be a time that we're no longer with him. That is just amazing to think about that. And then things begin to fall apart on planet Earth. Because what happens after that is Satan is going to give his best shot and he'll fail, but he's going to give his best shot at being worshiped as God. Now, here's something you need to understand for future prophecy to make more sense to you. Satan hates Israel, period. So all of this anti-Israel boycott, divest, and whatever the other word is, all of this that you see going on today, whatever the stated reason is politically. So Satan hates Israel because Christ, the predicted Savior, came through Israel, through the tribe of Judah. You know that. Hopefully you know that already. But if you don't, now you do. Well, Satan hates Christ and Israel because Israel as a nation, as far as being a nation, ceased to exist in history at a certain point where the Jews were scattered all over the world. Now, this has never happened before in history, but an ancient nation was reborn on, in uh, May 1948. Israel became a nation again. This has never happened before. This is simply a miraculous event where Israel was back in the land that God gave to Abraham. So Satan craves worship as God, and he wants to be worshiped as God in the temple of God. And there's only one place that that can be, and that is in Jerusalem, in Israel, Israel has to be back in the land and there has to be a rebuilt temple there. Now, there's not one there now, but I believe that is a future trend. There are many in Israel who, if they could do it starting this morning, they would rebuild the temple. Well, one day that temple will be rebuilt and uh, it's a long story of how this happens, but Satan will be worshiped in that temple as God. Well, that temple will be rebuilt, as, as I mentioned, and Jesus talked about a time after that called the Great Tribulation. So once the temple is rebuilt, there will be about three and a half, there, were, there will be literally three and a half years of peace, so-called, on the earth, where things are, finally there's peace, I think it will be slavery, but there is uh, a so-called peace. At the midpoint of the tribulation period, Satan indwells the one that we call the Antichrist, called the beast in the Bible, 
and the last three and a half years of that tribulation, the great tribulation that Jesus spoke of in Mark 13, 19, will be unleashed upon the world. It is also known in Jeremiah 30, verse 3, as the time of Jacob's trouble. And Jacob stands for Israel there. After the tribulation period, which is seven years, ends, there will be the second coming of Christ. And this time he comes literally to the earth and his feet touch down on the Mount of Olives on the eastern side of Jerusalem, the same place that he ascended from after his resurrection. And so what the angels said would happen will be literally fulfilled. The beast and the false prophet of the beast are cast into the lake of fire. Christ sets up a millennial kingdom, a literal, and if you're not sure it's literal, look in Revelation 20, six times the Holy Spirit inspired the Apostle John to talk about the thousand-year reign of Christ on the earth six times. That means something, friends. And so Christ will sit on David's throne in Jerusalem, ruling the world, just as has been predicted all through the Old Testament. Now that's not the end. There will be a final rebellion of Satan and all the people born during the millennium who have to choose to worship Christ or not. Many do not. So a final rebellion occurs so that all who hate God are removed from the kingdom finally. And there is the eternal state and the eternal reign of Christ for all time. There will be a new heavens and a new earth. So, that was like a 50,000 foot flyover and overview. I'm sure that it raised a lot of questions in your mind, like what in the world is this about? Well, you'd have to read the Bible an awful lot and you'd have to study an awful lot to, to be able to put that in that condensed format. And there's so many details in all of that that we're not even bringing up yet. But that's the, that's the flyover, the 50,000 foot overview. So anyway, all of that being true, basically you're probably saying right now, well, well are there signs about this? Are there trends telling us that this may be near? Well, I think there are some trends that we can take note of mentioned in the Bible. And um, one of those is apostasy from the faith. In Luke 18.8, Christ asked a question at the end of a parable. He said, and I'm paraphrasing, when the Son of Man returns, will he find faith on the earth? And the way the question is asked, it, it begs a, an answer of no, he won't. In the Greek, 
the question actually is, will he find the faith, like the Christian faith on the earth, not just people who have faith? And I think the answer there is no, because when he returns in the second coming, this will will be to a world that has been a Christ-rejecting world. By and large, most people will reject the truth and embrace the lie. So there will be an apostasy from the faith. That apostasy is a big word. It just means that people fall away from the true Christian faith. They may even still be religious and go to church, but they deny the truth of the word of God. I'm telling you, this morning on the way to church, I was listening to a certain denomination which had a, uh, has a church where, where I am, and I heard the worship service, and there was an infant baptism going on, and I, I couldn't believe what I heard, but I actually, I checked this out. I heard what I thought I heard. In that baptismal formula, the child was baptized uh, and went like basically in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and then somewhere near the end of that, it talked about uh, God, the mother of us all. That's heresy. That's not what the Bible teaches. God is not the, quote, mother of us all. That's feminism invading that particular denomination. I, I thought, well, maybe I misheard that, and I, I searched it out, and I heard it correctly. Right there, on, on uh, May, what is this, May 12, 2019, on a church service, I heard apostasy from the true faith because nowhere ever in Scripture is God said to be the mother, the mother of all. Wow. And of course, there are entire faith groups, religious denominations, churches that used to believe in Christ and believe in the Bible that uh, have watered it down, walked away from the Word of God and rejected Christ. And surely, if you've been around churches for any length of time, you are sadly aware of this. So there will be an apostasy from the faith. Well, I think we're seeing that trend right in front of us. People who should not be will be ashamed of Christ and his word. Christ predicted this in Luke 9.26. You can look that up. And Mark 8.38. He predicted that there would come a time when people would be ashamed of Christ and of his word. I'm going to give you an example of that. Jesus Christ said point blank, God created them male and female, period. There are no other categories, no other versions of gender. And yet you know that we live in a day where not only the world advocates all versions of gender and all of that, but that even churches are, are leading the charge on that. Why? Because they're ashamed of Christ 
and of his words. So we see apostasy. We see a trend of people and churches being ashamed of Christ and his words. We see an absence of truth. You, you have to look high and low today to find the truth. Why? Because error and lies are rampant across the world and across the land. There will be attacks on Christians and Israel. I think that's a trend. And we see that, we see that obviously happening all over the world. Did you know that right now today, there are probably more people being currently imprisoned, tortured, and murdered for their faith in Christ than in any other time in human history. And we are beginning to even see that a little bit in our country. Now, we're not to the point yet where Christians are being killed, but I think the next stop on the railroad is Christians being marginalized in America. If things, if there's not some revival and America turns to God, we need to pray for that. But if there's not, I believe in America, Christians will eventually be in prison only because they will not renounce Christ and his word. I'm planning on being one of those, and I hope you are too. And I wear it as a badge of honor with the grace of Christ. I can't do it on my own, but I know he'll help me and he'll help you if we get to that point. And it may eventually get to the point in our country where Christians are executed for their faith. It can't happen here. Think again, my friends. Open your eyes and look around. So we see apostasy, being ashamed of Christ in his word, an absence of truth, attacks on Christians in Israel, an absorption with self. What do, I, what do I mean when I say that? An absorption with self. We live like it was in the days of Noah, where Christ said in Matthew 24, 37, and I'm not looking that up, but I'm just reminding you, paraphrasing what he said there, that, it, that before Christ returns, it'll be just like it was in the days of Noah. People were marrying, they were giving in marriage, you know, they were, they were going about normal life, but totally, totally immersed in living for today and living for themselves. And of course, the, the flood, one of the greatest judgments ever recorded in human history, was about to hit, and they never knew what was going to happen. So a, a total absorption with self. 2 Timothy 3, verses 1 through 4, tell you what people will be like during the last days. And when you read it, man, this look like, it looks like being on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter. It looks like maybe where you go to school or people in your town or what you see on the alleged news. Another trend is Antichrist. Now the word Antichrist means a substitute Christ. Obviously he's against Christ, but the, but the true meaning 
is someone who is a substitute for the true Christ, Jesus Christ. We know from John, 1 John, now it's not the Gospel of John, but 1 John 2, 18 and Revelation 13, that there not only is coming the one that we often refer to as the Antichrist during the tribulation, but John tells us that we live in an age and have lived in an age where the spirit of Antichrist is all around. So there are many Antichrists, many substitute and false Christ, but only one true Jesus Christ. And by the way, I, I want to kind of help you here. As Christians, or if you become a Christian, once you become a Christian, you're not to spend your days looking for the Antichrist. We're looking for Jesus Christ to return. Wow, amen, we are. So basically, we, we live where there have always been many Antichrists and the spirit of Antichrist, but one day there will literally come to the earth the Antichrist who will be used by Satan to try to overthrow God. Now, is that starting to make more sense to you now? Hopefully it is. But there's one other A word that I thought of, and we'll plug this in a lot more in a future episode coming up. But artificial intelligence. Now, you might be thinking, that is so weird. Why would you throw that in here? I don't know a lot about it, but the little bit that I've begun to understand about artificial intelligence, I believe that if the Antichrist was to come in the next few years, let's say, I believe that the rise of artificial intelligence and the rise of machines are going to be, or could be, let's put it that way, a tool that he uses to entrap and ensnare the entire world. And whereas we might not necessarily fear artificial intelligence as such, we definitely, based on human history and our track record, we should definitely fear the people and governments who use them. For example, like Red China. They are mastering the art of using artificial intelligence against their own citizens. So I know that I've thrown a lot at you today. And if you are not a Christian yet, you're probably thinking, this dude is spooky. Well, uh, I can assure you that very sound minds theologically have studied these topics for hundreds of years, thousands of years, and what I've told you is the overall general flow of the future, the future trends of Bible prophecy predicted in the Bible. The amazing thing about the Bible is it's never been wrong. When it made a prophecy, when that prophecy was fulfilled, it was filled literally to the last penny. 
And it's an amazing thing about Bible prophecy. Even when people try to make excuses for Bible prophecy, when it eventually happens, it happens just like the Lord said it would, ha- would happen. Literal fulfillment. Wow. Now, we share this series, and we've shared what we've shared today, not so much as to scare you, although I think there's a lot to be concerned about, but to say to you that if you want out of this prison planet, off of this this world that is headed for destruction and the judgment of God, you do that by coming to faith in Christ. And he will help you live on this earth and navigate it until it's time for you to be with him. You may, as a believer in Christ, be one of those who doesn't die. You may actually be alive when the Lord returns in the rapture to take the church home. Wouldn't that be wonderful? But even if you're not, you won't be left behind because if you're a believer in Christ and you pass away before he comes, you will go too. In fact, you'll go a little bit faster than those who are alive at that time. I just want you to know that it's not a doom and gloom future for believers in Christ, but you need to be a true believer in Jesus. Right now, I want you to confess your sin to Christ, that you are a sinner, you were born in it, and pretty much on average your entire life since you were born has been one of rebellion and independence against God. If you've never done that, do that today. Cry out to the Lord Jesus Christ to come into your life and save you so that what he did on the cross to pay the penalty for sin, that that will be applied to your sin debt. Now, I've done this, but you need to do that if you've never done that, so that you are a Christian. And then you don't fear the future, and you will be able to walk with Christ through all of the future on this earth that he has for you, And you have the assurance that if you die before he comes, or if you're living when he returns, you'll live with him in heaven forever. What a wonderful promise. I thank you for joining us today on This Week in the Word. I want to remind you to invite those in your family and friends and co-workers, classmates, to listen to This Week in the Word at www.dredhill.podbean.com. Remember that that doctor, the DR, has no period after it. www.dredhill.podbean.com. We're also found, I'm told, on Apple iTunes and Google Play. But invite others to listen as well. If you are interested in having me present the Word of God in your church, you can reach out to me at pastoredhill at gmail.com. I'm available for preaching, for revivals, for Bible conferences, however I may be of service to the Lord. Thank you again for listening. God bless, and we'll see you on the next episode of 
future trends on This Week in the Word. 